0: This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head to toe suit. And Anthony Smith came right up to me and he's asking me where I got them. I told them the only place to get them took and they have a seasonal limited edition offering It's right now this spring and summer including men's and women's boots apparel hats accessory and more My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday in case you've seen me many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized and with regular live music and events there's no in-store experience quite like it if you can't make it into the store just visit tecovas.com that's tecoba scom they offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and they ship right to your door Go to dacovus.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything guys, it's that there's always a catch. to get this new customer offer and your new three month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chael. That's mintmobile.com slash chael. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday! And thank you for joining. Another special episode of your welcome. I gotta tell you, on today's show, Kamar Usman, he's still talking about fighting at 205 pounds. Yaria Rodriguez and Brian Ortega are going to battle it out tomorrow night on Long Island. And at the end of today's show, I'm going to tell you why the UFC is operating much differently than it ever has before. We got to get to all of that later today, but first, I want to start with this. Piera versus Adesan, you guys. We're already there. We're already where we're trying to get where we want to be, which is being entertained through the media, enjoying a fight that isn't even announced. I mean, if Dana was to come out tonight and announce this fight, that'd be stunning, considering they both just got done. But Adesanya's already said we got a date. I mean, did you guys see that? I don't know how literal we're supposed to take that, but Adesanya said we already hashed it out, we've got a date. I have no reason not to believe him, but I'm only sharing for you. Let's say Dana came out today and made that announcement. Guys, we got three months. Best case scenario, we got three months. You're telling me that we're going to have the kind of fun that we're having right now. We're going to have it for three months. Oh, by the way, how would you promote this if you were Alex Piera? Interesting question. Piera is not in on pay-per-view, like just by example. That goes to the champion. So the championship match he's not, he would be later. I bring that to you because he's not incentivized to do anything different. Piera had one job, truly. He had one job and one clear goal to get to the fight, become the number one contender, get the official nod, get that contract, and get a fight against Adesanya for the championship. This is what his goal was. He succeeded. So I bring that to you because Piera is making this interesting. I don't know that he's trying. Adesanya comes at you pretty hard. At some point, Piera has to respond. But guys, I mean, we're a number of hours into Adesanya making the statement that they've got a date. This thing's stealing all the headlines. And I can't quit thinking about this fight. Like, here, let me ask you a question. Would Piera beat Whitaker? Whitaker came out. He said, I'm surprised how quickly Piera got here. So I'm just asking you a different question. Could Piera beat Whitaker? Now, you're going to have to think on that. You're going to have to really think about that because there are so many things that we don't know about Piera. We did not learn very much about him in his fight with Sean Strickland. That was not a great fight. It was a great win and a great performance. It wasn't wasn't a great fight. There wasn't back and forth. There wasn't adversity. There wasn't somebody getting tired, somebody dealing with a swollen eye. We don't know if Piera can stop a takedown. We don't know if he gets down, if he has any level of defense. Not from that fight. So what? Every other time that would matter. Every other time if we had a huge question mark on a guy and how skilled is he overall, that would matter going into a championship fight. He didn't need to be able to stop a takedown. He could be the worst wrestler. I'm not saying he is. He could be, literally, the worst wrestler to ever be in a championship fight, let alone to become the world champion. It wouldn't matter. He could be a white belt in jujitsu. I'm not saying he is. I don't know. I'm sharing for him. He could be, and it would not matter. It would have nothing to do with our assessment or breakdown. We have two kickboxers that are going to go out there and kickbox. Now, Adesanya's is all fired up. I mean, Adesanya's is demanding this. He is talking himself right into this. And I don't think that that's new. I think he has been preparing for this and focusing on this moment. How much confidence should Adesanya have? It appears he has a lot how much should he have? If he doesn't plan to go take him down, what built-in advantages does Adesanya have that carry to MMA that did not exist in kickboxing? I'm going I'm to need your help. I reached out to Henry Hoof publicly and asked him to smart me up on this. I wanted him to go on his Instagram or maybe just make me a video and send it over to me, but I really want his opinion. These are the kind of guys we're going to need. We're going to need Maurice Smith to come back. We're going to need Ray Sefo and Tyrone Spong to speak up. None of us get to be experts on what's going to happen in this fight. It has never been done. I don't know of a time in the sport, even going back to the early 1990s, when we were putting style against style. I don't know a time that we had two great kickboxers versus each other. Do you? Two great pure kickboxers. I mean, that was almost the opposite of what they did in the 90s. You had a great kickboxer, you'd have put him in there with a judo guy. Or you put him in there with a taekwondo guy. This types of matchup. And we would have loved it. It would have been great to see. But we generally didn't bring two guys in with this game, same skill set. I remember when it was going to be Mark Coleman versus Dan Severin. But that wasn't great. It, it just was. People weren't overly excited because it was the same skill. That's not what we did back then. But I'm only trying to bring to your awareness... When I tell you this has never been done, I have never seen anything like this. It doesn't matter how good Pierre looked against Strickland. It doesn't even matter how good Pierre is. It truly does not. Because he's only going to need one skill. He's going to need to be a better kickboxer than Izzy. And I'm asking a very sincere question. And I really would like somebody like Coach Henry Hoof to answer this, specifically him. It's just what advantages can we expect Adesanya to have that we don't see, guys, that we don't see. There's things in the sport of wrestling, if you put two wrestlers against each other, there's actually things in the sport of wrestling that are banned within that sport that are very helpful under the unified rules. Positions where you can lock your hands, what they call slamming an opponent. There's a number of things that if two guys had a wrestling match and we thought, okay, they're going to go wrestle largely in MMA. They don't have a whole bunch of other skills, but you really could break it down. The guy who lost the wrestling match is going to have these built-in advantages. I'm just asking, what are Adesanya's? I don't know the rules of kickboxing well enough. I do not believe you can elbow, and I do not know if you can knee. It looks like when you watch it, you can't elbow, but you can knee. But I don't know if that means you can knee the whole body. I don't know if you can knee to the head. I, I don't know, but are those advantages? Is that something that Pierre does really well? And he was uh, constrained under the kickboxing rules, and it's actually an advantage for Pierre. I will listen, but it's the opposite for Adesanya. Daniel Cormier made one point, but Daniel's in the same spot as me, which is we're fans. We don't actually know. I mean, we, we truly don't really know what this is going to look like. But Daniel did make one point, and I would like to use it because it's the obvious one, which is the four-ounce gloves. Now, Daniel, when he made this point, gave that credit to Piera. He said, hey, look, if Piera can knock this guy out with the big gloves on, imagine what he could do with the four-ounce gloves. Is that true? Is offensively, this is just more dangerous? We should expect this fight to end just like the other one did. It could go either way. One guy is going to fall down, but for sure, guys with this skill set are going, someone's going to land, someone's going to put the opponent down. Is that where we're at? I'm okay with it. But I'm wondering, because Adesanya has really got a, a good head of steam going right now. He's got himself in the right spot, and you have to do that. You must put yourself, the great ones can always do this. They will put themselves in a position where they believe they can succeed. So is Adesanya hanging his hat on the idea that I have more experience with MMA? Five-minute rounds greatly favors me as compared to what I had to deal with with kickboxing. Look, I know that sounds simple, but I'll listen. I really will. Like, what should we believe is going to be different? What can we reasonably expect is going to be different or different advantages? And Adesanya hasn't started playing the head games, by the way. One of the head games that I would expect is for him to say, what you don't know, because I prefer to kickbox, what you don't know is I've been wrestling every day for seven years. I can, am, and will take you down. Even if that's just gamesmanship, even if we're just having little food for thought within the media, we would listen, wouldn't we, guys? We would. Many times we have seen great strikers against each other, and one of two things happen. They either respect each other so much they stay the hell away, What's that was that Kimbo Slice? Kimbo Slice was taken on uh, Houston Alexander, and they just stayed the hell away. You have Derrick Lewis versus Francis Ngannou. We as fans, well, somebody's going down, whoever lands first, and then the opposite. Neither one landed, but neither one tried to land. They weren't looking at it from a, a perspective of the confidence in my power as of, whoa, he's, he's got power. I need to stay away from him. 15 minutes later, it's just one of those things. We've also seen the two strikers go in there and one of them pulls the double cross. They look, they assess their opponent, they say, hey, he's a little bit better here. I'm not going to say anything until the fight starts and I'm going to come and try to tackle him. I have no reason to believe, even be armed with that evidence, that we're going to see either of those things. I don't know that either one has a fear of the other one's power. I would suspect they're aware of it, but a fear of it is something different. A fear of it is very, that's what keeps you on the outside. So it's what never lets you into the bubble. Guys will remember Anderson Silva when he was five. but nobody could take him down. If you wouldn't watch five, six Anderson's fights, you're going to come to the conclusion, this guy's as good of a wrestler as anybody that's doing it, but you had to look a little closer. The guys weren't stepping in the right range. They were too scared to get within firing range. They were too scared they were going to get knocked out. Well, now if you're just two inches further back, you can't get the takedown. Wouldn't matter how good you are, how inexperienced that guy is. There's a certain range. What advantages does Adesanya have just because of the unified rules of MMA that restricted him against Pierre when they kickboxed? Question. I don't have that answer. I'm searching for it. I want Coach Hoof to get back to me. I want this to be a big back and forth. I want us to all learn something. But Adesanya is convinced that he can win. He does believe that there is something. He does believe that he has a better understanding of MMA than this guy. He does believe, regardless of what my tactics are and your tactics, within this confinement, in that octagon, I am going to beat you. He believes it. And as an athlete, you've got to be very careful what you let in your bubble. Very careful. Adesanya may have himself convinced he never fought Pierre. He was never knocked out by Pierre. He may have himself convinced of that. The greats can do that, guys. That might sound weird to you. The greats can do that. They will block out what they let in. They have one rotten day, one rotten performance. Five years later, they could, they could pass a lie detector's test to say it never happened. I don't know that's where Adesanya's at. I'm just sharing with you. He's coming in confident. He's trying to book a date. This is not a bluff. Guys bluff all the time until you get to this spot. Then all of a sudden, you demand a rematch with Jared Cannon here. All of a sudden, the comments that Paulo Costa made must be answered for you. Avoid the fight. That is the opposite of what Adesanya did. Adesanya cut Joe Rogan off when Joe was trying to dance around it. Well, who should be next for you? There's a lot of good guys. Go- Adesanya cut him off and said, quit pretending. It's Piera. So what does Adesanya know? What does he believe? Adesanya gave a breakdown the other day, guys. It was a breakdown of Pierre versus Strickland. Adesanya said, man, that was all basic. Everything there was basic. Throws it straight, falls up with a hook. That's simple stuff. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's simple stuff if you're a genius. Truly. If you have one of these, a James Krause, a Dominant cruise style IQ for the sport, maybe that was simple. Turns out Adesanya does. So when Adesanya gave that break, oh, that was nice. He just stepped in and stepped with a follow-up. No, it wasn't easy. you have any idea the geometry that is involved? Truly. The, the mathematics involved to get this to this while it's moving at this speed and I'm moving at this speed. I mean, right, this is that, that age-old question that none of us wanted to have to do freshman year in al- al- algebra class. A train leaves Philadelphia at 10 p.m. Going, right, it's one of these really hard things. It's brilliant. Pierre did a brilliant job. And this is the first title fight in history. It doesn't matter how good the guy is. It does not matter how well-rounded a guy is. It does not matter how long he's been wrestling. It does not matter if he can stop a triangle choke. It doesn't matter. These two guys are going to go kickbox for a unified combat championship. If you know, if you're a smart enough guy, if you've already talked to Coach Hoof, if you've already called Ray Cepho, Sef- tell me what they said. What ad- For today, I only want one thing answered. What advantages? Is- Are naturally built-in under the MMA rules that would have confined you when they were kickboxing under those rules you've heard me say it here before I'm no stranger to being in tight spots with money back in my early days of fighting sometimes my bills and IOUs outweighed my show and win purse Geez, those days were rough and we've all been in that situation at some point in our lives. When we get a little tight on cash, maybe you could only afford a few gallons of gas in your tank, or you got an unexpected medical bill and wondered how you were going to cover it. Maybe you're there right now. This is where Dave can help. Dave is a banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly by signing up for their extra cash account. That's more money to fill your tank or to catch up on those bills. You can finally tackle those expenses that have been stressing you without any hangups. There's no interest and no credit check needed. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief that they need with extra cash. So if you're in a pinch and need some extra help, listen to Uncle Chael and go to the app store, download the Dave app right now. That's Dave, D-A-V-E. Sign up for the extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve. Member FDIC. The future you will thank you. Kamar Usman won't stop. He will not stop talking about 205 pounds and coming after a championship match. It's gone to the point that Prochaska has responded. And everything seemed friendly. Everything's cool in the gang. Usman's got no problem with any 205 pounder or Prochaska specifically. He just wants the accomplishment of coming after the belt. Now, Usman can't speak when I don't listen and then I got to break it down. I have to. Usman speaks as though everything is a spooky story. There's just a tone that Usman has that brings me in. And also because of the charisma and the storytelling ability, I instantly think that there's a deeper thought and or meaning. I'm not sure that's what this is. I don't know that Usman has a deeper thought or meaning. I think he seriously just wants to go to 205 pounds. Now we're going to have to address this at some point because he won't stop. Usman has now done more interviews talking about going up to 205 pounds, skipping over 185, which is part of the story, going to 205, which has never been done, right? There's never been a champ champ business like that. You couldn't even get the opportunity. He's doing more interviews about this than he did when he was pursuing a fight with Canelo, which is the only reason I'm bringing it to you guys. What is this about? Now the fight is massive problems, massive problems that Usman is smart enough to know and see Such as, Dana's not going to make it. No, here, we're going to talk Dana into it. Okay, great. But listen to what you're asking Dana to do. He's going to put his pound-for-pound king against the 205-pound champion. If the 70-pound king defeats 205, he's going to leave. Usman's already talked about that. I'm just going to pop up and grab the strap and go. You've now left 205 in shambles. I mean, you really have. There will just be a perception. We all understand, as smart, hardcore fans, that would be an interesting match, but nobody else does. You're going to have a 70-pounder that just took out your 205-pounder, vacated the belt. Whoever comes and fights for it, it's going to have an asterisk. Yeah, you're champion as long as Usman stays home. Or what if it goes the other side? What if Prohaska puts his foot down and cleans him up? You think is going to get any credit? for beating a 170-pounder. I mean, I'm I'm stating the obvious for you guys, right? There there was nothing uh, intelligent or nothing that wasn't very clear that I'm saying, but Usman is smart enough to know all of these things, and he's still doing it. Now, Usman as the champion who has possibly his hardest title defense coming up, Usman will openly tell you his fights with Kobe Covington is the hardest physical thing that he's ever done, but you don't know until you get there. And there is some reason to believe, particularly coming off of a hand injury, Leon having the experience of having been in there with him once before, this could be his hardest fight ever. He's not talking about it. What do we make of that? Perhaps nothing. But when the champ's talking and I'm listening, this is not how my mind works. I'm going for some deeper level here. Hey, what should I think of Kamaru Usman having possibly his hardest match coming up? Kamaru Usman has focused his attention in eight different areas since he's fought Leon. Leon has focused his area in one for five years, which is a rematch with the last guy that beat him. Oh, by the way, it happens to be for the strap this time. Kamaru's not talking about him. Is Kamaru fully focused on him? We'd have no way to know. What, I go take five interviews that had a collective 12 minutes? And just because he wasn't talking about Leon there, I come to the conclusion that his eye is off the ball? That'd be a big stretch for me, but I can't help but do it. What does this mean, guys? What is he doing? Has nobody grabbed him and told him it's not going to work this way? Because there's a part of the theme that I like. Kamar Uzman is not a 170 pounder. He happens to be the 70 pound champion. He happens to be the greatest 70 pounder in the sport he's an 85 pounder. Now, I only say that because that's what he competed at. When when he had world and Olympic aspirations in the sport of wrestling, he was competing at 185 pounds. He sucked down and and went to 70. He could easily go 85. That's the point that I'm proving. And I think that you guys would agree with that. You take one look at him, yeah, sure, you could be an 85 pounder today if you want to, but he's not even looking at that. He's not even considering that. Would that change if Adesanya wasn't the champion? Fair question. And if it changes, would it be a long-term fix? I mean, if you take Uzman out of 170, the guy who's lapped the division, that division just got a hell of a lot more interesting. And we've just seen this tested. When John Jones left 205 pounds, 205 pounds was dull. As soon as John Jones left, boy, it's not dull anymore, is it? It's back to a coveted division. Because the competition's a little closer. Competition gets a little bit more real. Five guys all claiming they could be champion. Well, you're listening to all five of them. You're going to have to see the match. It wasn't like that when, when John was there. So I don't hate the concept, is all that I'm sharing with you. I don't hate the idea of Usman at 185. Now, you guys do know, I'm skipping around a little bit, but you guys know why Usman is not going 85. It's because of Adesanya. Usman, Adesanya, Francis are very proud of all being champions at all at the same time. They, they don't want to get in each other's way. I don't know that Adesanya and Usman our good buddies. There's just a respect there. And there's a respect there that goes deeper than we're able to see. And I think that we understand this. So he gets a pass, no problem. But what if Adesanya wasn't champ anymore? I mean, just by example, what if Piero was to grab it? Now I get that you're going to rematch Adesanya and Pierre, but, but what if? What if Piero wins that twice? And he's no longer in the picture. Now you're having a very different conversation about about Kamara moving up. And once he got to 85 and established himself, you could have a very meaningful conversation about him going to 205 pounds. For anyone to be given that opportunity, first off, it's never happened in our sport. It's very unlikely. It's not impossible. If this is his true goal, and it is always tough to know what does make Usman tick. When you have these greats, you're the champion what motivates him to go do it again? What would his motivation be for Leon? And I do think that I am right to a degree when Usman is talking about other and bigger things. I do not think he's trying to overlook Leon. I don't think he's trying to underpromote or disrespect Leon. I think that Kamara is sharing with us for him to have a fear like he used to have, Fear is one hell of a motivator to get better. Fear is one hell of a motivator to go get yourself in better shape and get stronger and work on your skills. Kamara likely doesn't have a fear at 170 more, but wishes he did. Kamara would likely agree with me. Yes, when I was hungry, when I didn't know, when I had aspirations, my motivation was different. I would suspect Usman is largely operating on discipline right now. Not that same hunger, not that same motivation. You'll have coaches come out and tell you, you got to want it. Well, what do you do when you don't? You still want to win. You're still in the sport. You still have the competition. Now you got to re, you got to rely on discipline. And I think that Kamara Usman is trying right in front of our eyes to put himself for training camp, for motivation purposes in a situation that's the most difficult one he could think of where he would be up against or where he does need to get better, where his strategy does need to be sharper. I think he's trying to create that for us because I think he's lost it at 170. And I think he would agree with me that that's not good. So many guys will be scared right when they start the sport. Your first fight, you'll never forget it. You'll never forget that that energy and it emo- will be one of the worst nights of your life. Truly. You will have an anxiety like nothing you've ever felt before. And you'll have a goal from that moment to make that go away. You'll have a goal to relax. You'll have a goal to believe in the process. You'll have a goal to have confidence, right? All these buzz phrases that you've been thrown at you, you'll buy into it and you'll believe it. But once you get there, you will miss that fear. Then and only then do you realize how helpful that was. And I think that's what Kamara's doing. I really do. I think he's trying to put himself in a very difficult position because he's smart enough to know he's not going to go up to 205. He's smart enough to know he's just not going to be given that opportunity. He's smart enough to know he's not going to be able to go up there and skip over 185. It is the kind of question that if he asked Dana, Dana would laugh. Truly. He would laugh as he told him no. But Kamaru's doing it anyway, and he's doing it for a reason, guys. We've only got a couple of options here. One is he thinks he's going to get the fight, and he's trying to work towards it. I'm light on that, but I like the concept, and I like what Usman's doing, and this isn't about looking past Leon. Don't mistake that for that. This is all about being prepared for Leon. All right, guys, let's shift gears to this weekend, because tomorrow night, we got a featherweight showdown in Long Island, and it's a fight that I'm very much looking forward to. First off, it's going to be a banger. And secondly, I'm excited to see what happens after the fight and where the division goes from there. My official prediction, Yair Rodriguez versus Brian Ortega. Guys, I'm taking Ortega, timeout. How the hell did we get here? How did we get here? Why why are these two fighting? Now, Yair come out and shared with us that uh, it's number one contendership, of which I believe. And of which, if I had a magic wand and he won the fight, that's the match that I would make. I think they got a real a real four-way going on at the top. And your rear is the one missing piece as it relates uh, to Volkanovsky. So just hold that thought. Whether we get there or not, I'm not even picking him to win, but I certainly acknowledge he can. How did we get here, guys? This card, I mean, this is a coveted card. I will tell you, if you were a fighter, if you were in the locker room, you would campaign to be on this. Now, for you to campaign to be on this, you'd have to pay attention to your sport. You'd have to see the calendar. You'd have to know this was coming up. You'd have to see that it doesn't have a main event. You'd have to recognize that you're gonna be in front of more eyeballs than ever. That would have to matter to you. You would then have to find a way to monetize or use that platform. So basically what I just described represents a grand total of zero fighters that are signed to the company. And I don't believe a single fighter did campaign to be in this spot. And I do not think that the fighters even understand themselves what it means to be on ABC. I don't. And I don't think these two tried to get to each other either. And I wish that they had. That would add something for me. And I do have to come back to how did we get here? This is a great fight. I don't know that this is a huge fight. You'll have to tell me. Is this a huge fight that people are clamoring for? This was supposed to be from the one and only time that I had ever heard it discussed in the media. And it was offhanded. Dana White's doing Pat McAfee. It's leading into a pay-per-view that's four days away. That's Gilbert Burns versus Chumayev, and Dana White just drops in Pat's lap. Hey, I got this big card coming up on network television. Colby Covington's in the main event. I am going to find his opponent this weekend. Winner of Chumayev versus Burns. That always works, at least for me. I like that. This sport is not of a competitive architecture. And what I just stated for you is as close as we do in this sport. Where somebody's in the finals and the other part of the bracket is getting figured out. Here's your semifinal, and here's where we're going to advance. I just like that. Not to mention, Colby Covington was the right guy. I love that call. That's a guy you can count on. That's a guy that's going to go out, do media, bring attention, do a great job in the main event, putting him in there with Burns Orchard. Man, I'm in. I'm in. But at the time that Dana made the comment, that was the first anybody had heard of it. That includes Colby. Point being, this was Dana's plan, but he did not have this done. and Burns learned about it the same time that Pat McAfee did. I share that with you because it ended up not happening, which just brings me back to how did we get here? Why is Ortega and Rodriguez fighting? Now, guys, I do think there's a story. I just don't think it's been told. I sent a text message to Tiki. If he responds while I'm making this, to give you guys an update. Tiki is the manager of both Ortega and Rodriguez. So he's got his own two guys. Tiki did know what time it was. Tiki did know the advantages to ABC. He did lobby for it. He not only got one guy, he got two. And I'm stunned that other people weren't fighting for it. I really am, it disappoints me. It disappoints me when guys don't know what's going on, when guys aren't paying attention. Guys aren't trying to strategically get themselves the greatest opportunities. Now, why is Ortega here? I mean, that's a fair question. And one thing that we're learning about Ortega, guys, is that we don't just know exactly how good he is, do we? There is a clear distinction between Volkanovsky, Max Holloway, and the field. There is a clear, those two... And then the field Well, not so fast I mean, Ortega's been in there with both of them Ortega, without question, gave Volkanovsky His hardest fight Volkanovsky will happily admit that Ortega learned a lot In the fight with Max Holloway He was not quite ready for it That's true But it was still valid And I only bring that to you Because yes, you have seen Ortega get his ass kicked How good is he? Is he the third best guy? He might be you look at what Ortega did in his fight with Zombie just by example. We didn't know he was that good, did we? I and mean, that was a whole other guy. There was a whole other guy with a whole other drive. And guys, anything in life, what goes up must come down. And when you see these younger guys get an opportunity, like Ortega did, to fight for a world championship, in his case too, everything goes down. Whatever you're going to do next, how are you going to find the motivation? Where are you going to get that from? Now, that's a mental battle, not a physical, but you still are being tested. Ortega went out flying colors. And I do think this is a problem. We don't don't exactly know how good he is. He would appear to be the third best guy in the world. That is a remarkable achievement. And I'm not certain that you're fully aware of that. Now, he wants to get back to number one. I think he's going to have a hard time. I think that it is true That Rodriguez was told, if you win this, you get. But it still brings a question of why is Brian here? He was just asked to do it. He was training. He was looking for a fight. I don't know. I'd like to know that part of the story. Frankly, I think I'm owed it. I believe I am owed this part of the story. What does this mean and what is this about? Rodriguez has told us that. Now, one reason that I went to Tiki and I told you guys, if he responds, I'll get back to you. Tiki's not just a manager. Tiki's a trainer. Tiki brings these guys in. He gets them ready for fights. I'd like to know what the room looked like. Have Ortega and Rodriguez trained together? I would guess, and I would even bet for you guys, the answer to that is yes, but we haven't been given that information, and I think we should, and I think that we're owed it. I think that's compelling, and if they did, how long ago was it? Because one thing that we did not get with this fight Right? We didn't get a push and pull. We didn't get a back and forth. Dana, that we know of, was not given resistance. And that's interesting to me. When two guys sparred and trained and shared a room together multiple times, and both guys accept the fight right away, thinking it's a good fight for them, that's interesting to me because both things can't be true and they are very, very different guys. I mean, Ortega on the ground with his ground skills is not overly comparable with Rodriguez. Rodriguez is stand-up fight. guy's a video game. One of the first times I saw Rodriguez, I think it was his third fight, was one of the first that I saw him. I'm going back many years. This would be around 2015, 2016, right in this ballpark, and I'm with Gilbert Melendez. Now, Gilbert Melendez, one of the greatest fighters this sport has ever seen, was on top of the world then he was ranked number one or two he still had championship opportunities and from and I bring that to you because Gilbert is watching Rodriguez who is in the division is somebody where Gilbert could cross paths with him and Gilbert was extremely complimentary But I mean, what is this guy doing I watch fights with Gilbert all the time and we're fans you know you see that that side of it not to this extent this was different. When Gilbert was commented on Rodriguez, who was a potential future opponent, it was different. And Gilbert was breaking it down just slightly for him. This was a real quick conversation, but I remember it all these years later. And I remember what a compliment it was to Rodriguez, who was a young guy at that time. He was 21. He was 22. People weren't familiar with him yet. Rodriguez is a video game. I used to have to say that about one guy and one guy only, which was Demetrius Johnson. But Demetrius would do techniques that you could only do through animation. I had only seen them before in scripted, edited animation. True, video game. And then Rodriguez came along. Now I can say this about two guys. Joe Rogan has called Rodriguez fights before and I've seen Joe get tongue-tied because he couldn't tell the audience what the move was called. Couldn't tell the audience what the move was called because we'd never seen it. It didn't even have a name. And Rodriguez did like five of these all in one night. Very interesting guy. But that does come back to the sparring. That's extremely relevant. And sparring, you bring the striking down, right? Taking care of your partner. You bring the striking down. The grappling's at 100%. So if these two went and sparred and Ortega's going, yeah, I can handle this guy. Did many times. It's a little bit of a false premise because he's going 100% at what he's good at and Rodriguez is pulling back. Now, why would Rodriguez think the fight? Why would he have the same memory of the workouts with Ortega and think, hell yeah, I'll fight that guy? Well, because he knew he was holding back. And that's, that's interesting to me. I saw that play out firsthand. Randy Couture retired, came back to the sport in a heavyweight division for a championship against the giant Tim Sylvia. Now, I was in the room when those guys used to spar. And Randy beat Tim every single day. But Tim was also being nice. And when Tim had to accept this fight, he was being challenged. He was the champion. He had no choice to be there. Randy chose to be there. And Tim came out and he just said, yes, Randy used to handle me in the room. He was being nice. I was staying at his house. It was his gym. He's a 205 pounder. The heavyweight champion. I didn't want to hurt him. Well, Tim was telling the truth. That wasn't for hype. That wasn't for promotion. I watched it. That is what happened. Now, that also doesn't just mean you can flip the script. You're going to go out and win the contest. And that one played out the way that did. But I will only share with you. I think we, the audience, should be. I don't know how we got here, guys. I'm happy we're here. Rodriguez Ortega. I believe, Rodriguez, that if he wins, he will be the number one contender. I believe that he was told that. But Brian's not going to just come to the table. He's just not. There's a top guy. This is a main event guy. This is a big spot. This is a hard fight. What's in it for me? I don't have the answers to that. Something makes Ortega tick. And I could live with anything, including me being completely wrong and there was no cherry put on this Sunday. Just a straight up competition. He liked the matchup. I'm in, but I haven't been told that. And I'm owed it. So I'm trying to get you guys to scoop, right? We're running out of time here. I'm going to Tiki. I'm trying to get you guys some scoop. Did these guys used to train? Was there heat? Was there a problem? How did this fight come together? Did it put Tiki in a weird spot? I don't know these answers. Tiki corners both guys. Tiki's got to be sitting this one out. The mere element of how Tiki fits into the store is great promotion. And we haven't been told it, but we're owed it, and I'm going to get it for you. close out today's show. I want to look at the big picture of the state of the UFC and how Dana White and the boys have come so far since the beginning. How are we going to look back at 2022 as it pertains to MMA? As it pertains to the feelings and the emotions and the matchups that we had? How are we going to look back on it? Because guys, something is happening right in front of our eyes. And if you want to learn the business You want to try to get into the minds of the guys on the second floor at the UFC so you can attempt to manipulate those minds, steer your own career with it? This is a great time to study because something is happening right now that's very different. And nobody's observed it, let alone looking into it. I will be bringing it to your attention right now. But I will share with you, if you grab Dana White in 2001 when he had a vision to start this organization, the mindset that he had and what he was positive he needed, and put that with Dana White of 2022, they would be in disagreement with each other. Let me give you an example. The fights that we're getting, the ratings that we're doing, the sellout audience, the buzz around MMA is as strong as it's ever been. But 2001 Dana White would have been very clear to tell you there is no business here unless I have stars. I can have a roster that's light. I've got to have stars in my main event. Championship matches, household names. Dana would have been right. For 21 years, that was absolutely what he needed, but we're in a different phase right now, and it's got to be studied. You got to understand what's happening to start to break down why. There is something strategic going on within the UFC. I haven't put my finger on it, guys. I can only tell you. The 10 biggest stars that Dana has, exactly what he would have told his future self he must have, they're on ice. They're sitting on ice right now. Both Diaz, boys, make no mistake, Nick still draws. George Mosbro, Colby Covington, Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, John Jones, Stipe, Francis, these guys are on ice. Chemayev. And they're not in a hurry to get them to the market. And we see this with colleges. We see this with other professional sports leagues often. They have what's called a rebuilding phase. And they will take time and they will take investment and they will start to build another crop. That's just not what's happening here. That is happening advertently. That is not the overarching goal. There's a certain amount of dates, certain amount of guys under contract, certain obligations that you have. You start spreading it around. But when you have a time within the sport, which is a star-driven industry, and you have your 10 most popular household names, right? Because you need a few things to have a big fight. You got to have name recognition. You must have a story. Those two things together are going to create or fail to create any motion. If you have those three things, you've got to fight. You have something big that you can count on. And we're just seeing a different time. Something else is happening now. We're having new champions coming. There was a day in the sport where if you had a new champion, ah, oh, and it happened all the time. I mean, right when we think we've, we've caught fire with somebody. Vince McMahon himself, when he looked at buying the UFC, he was going to buy it and shut it down. He's just going to get it off of pay-per-view, by the way. But he openly said, you cannot have a star unless you control the outcome. It's why the UFC will never work. That's a quote. He was wrong, but you know what, guys? When he said it, we believed him. We thought he was right. We thought we do need a guy that can keep that belt for a period of time. We do need that guy that becomes the champion. I mean, we were playing such musical chairs within the UFC that when Steve Miocic defended the heavyweight championship twice, it, be, it became a record. I had no idea. I had no idea the belt was jumping around that quickly that two defenses became a record. I believe Stipe ended up with three, which is a record that still sits to this time. I'm sure you'll correct me down below. But I think that's right. And the only point being, what everybody believed we needed, what 2001 Dana White would have advised 2022 self is not what we're living in right now. There is not this massive hurry. The guys and the stories and the skills and the sport, you, the media, the community as a whole has put this industry in a very different spot. And I'm only asking, how is it going to be remembered? Because a lot of the matches that are coming up lack the one thing that the business needs. The business, to make money. To make money, you don't need good fights. That's, That's what we come tell you guys. You have to have one thing and one thing, there is one thing that keeps the financial side of this business going, which is anticipation. If you do not have anticipation, you have not, I don't give a goddamn how good the fight is. I'm tired of hearing that, quite frankly, because I'm, t- I'm tired of hearing the ignorance. I know that that gets presented to you guys. I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem is when you believe it, and then you try to send it back. Fight of the night, knockout of the year, all of these things, right? But you can't make any money on that. I'm having a different conversation. When the fight's already over, you can't make any money. You got to have it ahead of time, which you only get one, which is through anticipation. This year, in comparison to other years, does lack anticipation. That's true, but it does not lack incredible matches. Find an example. We were starting to do the champ champ business. Right when we were starting to cross guys over and bring them from different weight classes, there was a dream fight that you, the community, wanted to see. This was living on something called the Underground Forum which was a massive driver of our entire industry. The fight that you guys wanted to see, the dream fight that you were trying to put together and you were campaigning and lobbying for was Dominic Cruz versus Demetrius Johnson. The reason that's interesting is that fight had already happened, but you didn't know it. Demetrius was not Demetrius at the time. Dominic was not Dominic at the time. They fought about a year, they fought about 20 months too early. It was just one of those things where when you look back and you look at that fight, which I'm just going to use as my example, oh my goodness. It got labeled a dream fight later. Now, currently. More than a super fight. It was a dream. It was your wish. And there are a lot of those matches going on right now. I agree. Doesn't have the same anticipation. Your biggest heavyweight stars, Francis, regardless of what's happening, Jones, regardless of what's happening, Stipe, regardless of what's happening, the fact that they're on ice and not trying to be pulled in, the fact that Conor McGregor is out, we don't know when he's returning. We're very open and excited about the idea. But we are not drooling at the mouth. We are not sweating because we don't know if that's going to be until 2023 or if that can go on the books in Q4 of this year. It's It's one of those things that 2001 Dana White would not have told himself. He wouldn't out. Very different mindsets. We're living a very different time. 2022, to answer my own question, is going to be remembered extremely fondly, but for different reasons. And it is going to come down to the action. It is going to come down to what we saw. It is going to come down to the rankings. Look, we got three new guys that have entered the rankings in the last week. I got Fikzayev, Rachmanov, and and then another thing. You don't ever want to number yourself when you're filming live because if you can't think of the third one, you're going to look like a fool. But these are still new guys. These are still new names that you didn't have before. I argue for you, there there is a rebuilding going on right now. And I don't know if that was the goal and the strategy or if it's just a byproduct, but it's happening. To learn the fight business, guys. The only way you can do it on the cheap is this. Study things, listen to it, think. That's how you learn. There's five men alive that could survive in the world of promotion. When I say men, I mean you, human. There's five humans. They had a drive. They had an interest. Maybe they were born with a little bit of a skill. Maybe. Maybe. And then they got their their education through getting their ass kicked. There's no college in all of the lands you can go to and major in fight promotion. There's no book in any library that you can check out on fight promotion. You got to believe it. You got to jump in. And when you start taking those lumps, you got to chalk that up to the price of an education. You got to learn from it. I'm only sharing that because something very fascinating is happening right now. I'm the smartest guy in the room and I don't have it figured out. But I'm observing it. I'm looking at it. I'll have it by this time next year. It'll be very obvious to me. But it's happening now. I want to know right now. I want to know right now why we are not in a rush to book our 10 biggest, most monetizing box office draws. And I will only remind you and it's my premise and it'll also be my final thought. There has never been a time in our sport, there has never been a year when we weren't in that rush, where we did not have an urgency, where we weren't bending over backwards to do just that. 2022 is very different. Why? How did we get here? And why is it working? You start to figure those things out you will start to be one of the smarter and better minds in MMA. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening and for leaving reviews of the show on Apple Podcasts like this one from Jesse, who says, Nobody brings it each week quite like Chael. Well, thank you, Jesse. And thanks to all of you, I'm going to be back here on Wednesday to give a full analysis of the weekend. Until then, I'm Chael Sutton, and you are welcome.